0: Welcome to an episode of Find Your Voice, a movement led by yours truly, Aaron Dew, a guy who has overcome crippling anxiety, adversity, and difficulty like so many of you in life,
1: whose main goal now is to help you combat your excuses, take control of your life, write your own story, and most importantly, find your voice. So now, without further ado, I welcome the host of the show himself, Mr. Aaron Dew. What's going on people? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Find Your Voice. My name is Aaron and as always I am the host of the show. So today I bring you Michael Taylor. An incredible person. Genuinely such an amazing person to the point that I have released I think three or four Instagram TV videos. There's a couple on LinkedIn, a couple on Facebook because some of the lessons that he taught me were just absolutely incredible. Now this guy is the self-proclaimed king of overcoming adversity and I think once you listen to this episode you're gonna 100% agree. At the same time he also has multiple podcasts, he's a blogger, he's a keynote speaker and he's just an all-around incredible human being but some of the stuff he speaks about in this episode it was difficult to kind of comprehend and really try to understand the amount of trauma and abuse that he had gone through and I'm going to leave him to actually tell you that story but when I sit back and think about some of the struggles that some of us go through in life yet we still persevere and we still try and shine a light on other people's journeys. I just find that so beautiful and it's something that I encourage all of my listeners to do and it's something that I encourage even my past guests as well. This show is about finding your voice, it's about spreading that light and it's about empowering people to be better, to do better and overcome their current circumstances in order to become whatever they desire. So hopefully you'll enjoy this episode as much as myself. You're probably going to see so much enthusiasm and loads of videos of me talking about the finer points of this interview that really resonated with me. So without further ado, let's get this interview on the way. I'm delighted to have Michael Taylor on today's episode of Find Your Voice. Michael, how are we doing today? Aaron, we are doing
0: just wonderful, man. Looking forward to an amazing chat because you're talking about my specialty, which is overcoming adversity. So I'm really looking forward to the conversation.
1: Fantastic. And that's obviously what this show is all about. It's what the listeners love hearing about. Hearing people coming over their adversities, changing their mindset, changing their lives, basically. So it's going to be really exciting. So, Michael, if you wouldn't mind, if you could kind of give the listeners and even myself a bit about your story, a bit about your past growing up and what brings you here today? Well,
0: great introduction. So I was born in inner city projects of Corpus Christi, Texas to a single mom with six kids. So we were basically the poster children for poverty back in the 60s. We were extremely, extremely poor. And yet, despite being poor, my mom instilled something in me that was so simple yet so profound. And she said, If you want something badly enough, there's no one or no thing that can keep you from attaining it except yourself. That was the lesson that my mom taught me at a very, very early age. So when I was six years old, my oldest sister became extremely ill. And my mom had to take me, my brother, and one of my sisters to live with our father, who I didn't really know because they had divorced when I was really young. And so I went to live with my dad who actually lived with his mother, who was my grandmother from hell. And she was a raging alcoholic that took all of her anger and frustration out on me as a kid. And so for seven years, I was in this hell hole, if you will, and very traumatic, experienced every type of imaginable, imaginable abuse that a child could go through. And yet I survived and made it through seven years. I was, after seven years, I was reunited with my mom. And so now I'm in junior high school. I go to junior high school. I get to high school and I am just bored to death. <laughs> like, <laughs> Man, this is just not for me. So I, I go to this seminar, right? And this guy convinces me that I can get rich selling vacuum cleaners. So in the 11th grade, I decided to drop out of high school because I was going to get rich selling vacuum cleaners. Which was a really which was a really poor decision because I never sold a single vacuum cleaner. But <laughs> yeah. fortunately for me, I actually secured a job with this building supply center. And I worked extremely hard, climbed the corporate ladder pretty quickly, and actually became the youngest manager in the history of this company. Oh wow. And so at the age of twenty-three, I was living the American dream. I had the house. The wife, the 2.5 kids and all of that. (laughs) Yeah. And by society standards, I was pretty successful. And then within about a six year time frame, my American dream turned into the American nightmare as I went through a divorce, bankruptcy, a foreclosure, a deep, deep state of depression. I was homeless for two years living out of a car. And so during the darkest period of my life, I received a miracle. I was sitting up late one night because I was too depressed to sleep, and I was sitting at the edge of my bed, and I'm looking across the room at my bookshelf, and I happened to notice that every book on my bookshelf had something to do with getting rich or making money, and as I looked at those books, this question just popped in my head, and the question was this, Michael. What if you took all the energy and effort you've used in trying to get rich and figure out how to be happy? That one simple question literally changed, saved my life in an instant. Something in me shifted, Aaron, and I knew I was chasing the wrong thing. Mm. I was chasing money and stuff, but what I really wanted was to just be happy. And so that question led me on this amazing journey of transformation that I'm still on today, some 30 years later. And so what I decided to do was to take the lessons that I learned and share with others to help overcome the adversities in their lives. And so I wrote a book called Adversity is Your Greatest Ally, How to Use Life Challenges as Stepping Stones to Live the Life of Your Dreams. I
1: love that. Absolutely love that. That's fantastic, Michael. I want to jump a little bit more into that, but if we can just dissect what you've told me so far. So I 100% understand now why you said adversity is your speciality because from the very young age, you've just painted a picture there of a child who's almost had to grow up too quickly. You've seen so much abuse mentally, potentially physically as well. You've obviously been uprooted. You've left your mom. You've then been living with your grandma who you, using your words, is a raging alcoholic. And then From there you've managed to find yourself a position, a career where you've then got this American dream where you've got the 2.5 kids and everything seems to be going well and this is where your life took a twist and turn and this is what kind of happens, I suppose, to every single person listening to this, myself included, where we think we're fine and boom, life will just hit us and it's how we, I always say, how we bounce back or how we interpret those events which will then dictate the rest of your life. But the best lesson that I definitely want to pick up from you in what you said was when you change that energy in terms of chasing money and you use it to chase happiness. And I think that was a beautiful message. And that's something I am I guess I'm trying to preach as well. You see, money for me has never been something that I've chased. I've always tried to chase happiness because I believe it will bring you fulfillment. And those are the two things that we're really after in life. But I can only imagine obviously from yourself coming from this what you describe as the poster child for poverty. Money was probably the first thing on your mind. So it's interesting you had that shift and it's probably because of the adversity that you've been through. So if I may, Michael, if I'm just gonna put you on the spot here. How would you change somebody's mindset or what would you advise them because I've come from a background that wasn't affluent. We didn't have much money growing up, probably not as bad as your circumstances. So money for us was always the kind of the root of all evil and it was kind of the taboo subject that we never really spoke about because we never had it. And I'm thinking there's a lot of people listening who may be in that same situation. How do we change that story? How do we change that narrative to get people to strive for happiness and fulfillment and not worry about the money but realize that money can follow if we find something that we're happy and fulfilled about?
0: Well, I think the real challenge for us as human beings is to be willing to make peace with our past. Mm. This is why this is so important, because as I have dissected my life from birth to (laughs) now, what, what what I have come to understand is, first and foremost, I recognize myself as a spiritual being having a human experience versus a human being having a spiritual experience. So I believe as human beings, we're actually divine spirits. That's, that's my belief system. Mm -hmm. And so I truly believe that everything happens for a reason. If we're willing to look deeply enough. And so when I think about my childhood and how, how difficult and challenging and painful it was, what I also recognize is that during the darkest period of my life, I was actually preparing myself for what I'm doing today. And so there's a guy named Tim Kelly, and he wrote a book called True Purpose. So make a note, you need to check it out. It's called Absolutely. True Purpose. Absolutely. And and in the book, what he says is that as human beings, we will receive what he calls a sacred wound. Mm. And the sacred womb is simply an experience that we have that in that moment we make a decision that there's something wrong with us. So for me, my sacred wound was when my mom took me to live with my, my, my dad. Because what that set in motion was this whole idea that people who love you leave you. So it was, in psychological terms, it it created abandonment issues. So I had huge fear of abandonment most of my life. And so that set in motion, okay, that event set in motion my defense mechanisms. And my defense mechanisms were I became this super nice guy, this really smart, intelligent guy as a to try to keep people from leaving me and so in answer to your question where people need to start i believe is to be willing to examine their past be willing to look at the events in their lives that have shaped them to be who they are now a sacred wound does not have to be some traumatic experience mm. a sick a sacred wound could be one day your dad looking at you and saying you know uh I'm really disappointed in you. That can trigger a belief that there's something wrong with us. So it's important for us to be willing to do this inner work of understanding. And I love what Carl Jung said. He says, people will do anything, no matter how absurd, to avoid facing their own souls. He says, you do not become enlightened by chasing figures of light but by making the darkness conscious. And so what you have to, we have to be willing to do is to shine light on those dark places that we're afraid to look at. We have to bring to awareness those emotional scars that we may be carrying that we don't even recognize that we're carrying. For example, when I went through my divorce, my bankruptcy and all of that, See, I had read all these motivational books, right? I'm this huge Anthony Robbins fan. Mm -hmm. I had, you know, done walking on hot coals and all of that. So I've always (laughs) been highly motivated. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until I gained the courage to go to therapy that I began uncovering the cause, the reason I had been successful. And see, I had been successful and driven by a deep sense of shame. What John Bradshaw calls toxic shame. And so for me, I had to be willing to heal that part of myself. I had to be willing to address those issues. And so it wasn't until I did that inner work that I no longer had to chase money to try to impress people, that I was no longer needing to get other people's approval. I learned to love myself for just me without any accomplishments. And that was a big deal.
1: That's beautiful. I think you've hit the nail on the head there and this is obviously as I'm becoming more self-aware because many of us just read motivational books and we get all hyped and pumped and then something still feels lost or something doesn't feel right. And I think when you mentioned that abandonment issue, I'm glad you brought it up later on because I thought, okay, you've experienced this sacred wound early on in your life and then all of a sudden you've had a divorce later on again and the whole abandonment of detachment via that divorce I'm not trying to psychoanalyze here but it's happened again and it's kind of that thing where if we have these wounds in our life we need to go back and fix them otherwise they're always going to keep cropping back up so uh, it's beautiful that you said that and there was um there's another great quote actually by Robin Sharma who says to heal a wound you must first feel a wound and it really I don't know it just struck a chord with me because I thought I need to go back you see growing up for myself and not to make this interview about myself but I was never anxious. I was never this shy kid up until about the age of, I'd say, 11 or 12. And I'm really trying to do some deep inner work on myself to understand why I became this shy, anxious person who missed a hell of a lot of opportunities and struggled pretty much for 30 years of his life consuming himself through wasting energy. And it's interesting that yours was obviously abandonment. I'm sure the listeners can obviously resonate with their own wounds. But I think we're always trying to look for answers on the outside we're always trying to find someone else to fix our problems or a book or something and you just hit the nail on the head that the answers lie within all of us we have to do that inner work so just on that then Michael is there something that you do yourself do you have courses do you have any tips that somebody could literally take take away today as a sort of starting block just to kind of start the process of trying to work on themselves from the inside
0: well for me the most impactful thing that I've ever done is I did a workshop with a guy named John Bradshaw, and unfortunately he passed away a couple of years ago. But he did a workshop called Healing the Inner Child, and when I did it was a three-day it was a three-day workshop, and during that process, I was able to go back to that ex- those experiences that I mentioned as a child. And as a child, I have to tell you that I experienced every type of abuse a child could experience, physical sexual emotional i mean it was very very traumatic well during this workshop i was able to i guess the, the term would be regress back to that six-year-old kid allowed myself to feel all of the pain all of the hurt all of the shame that i had been carrying around see because you know they said if you can feel it you can heal it absolutely and our defense mechanism as human beings is rather than feel, we think. So what we do is we get up in our heads and we try to process everything from the neck up. And that's a recipe for disaster because we we get stuck because the true connection comes from our heart. And so when I went through his workshop, what it did was it allowed me to release years of pain that I had been repressing for most of my life. And it was the most freeing experience that I've ever had. And so my recommendation would be to take a note of two books. Okay. Charles Whitfield wrote a book called Healing the Child Within.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And John Bradshaw has a book, the book that literally changed my life, which was titled Healing the Shame that binds you.
1: Mm. Wow!
0: And it was after, it was after reading that book that I gained the courage to actually do his workshop. And once again, it was the most important work that I've ever done.
1: Wow, Michael, your story is absolutely fascinating, and I think this is definitely a journey that I, since I've started this podcast, again, it was always an inspirational kind of self-help podcast, and I was always getting great people on here to give us tangible tips on how we can enhance our mind, the growth mindset, trying to be grateful and change our perception. But it keeps coming back. And especially lately, because of the caliber of guests that I'm getting on, especially like yourself, where I'm realizing this inner work that really needs to be done. So I've taken a note of those books. I will put those in the show notes for obviously the listeners as well. It's something that I would definitely look into because I feel we... this is a bit of a a statement but I think every single person probably has a sacred wound of some shape or form which has probably then reaffirmed their beliefs and that's how they live their life so I'm glad actually that you've managed to put yourself in a better position because We spoke prior to this. You're now doing incredible things. You're now speaking on stage. You're blogging. You've told me you've got three podcasts, which makes me feel lazy, which is incredible. And now you're doing this work to serve other people. And I can only believe, and I'll ask you the question, is that what truly fulfills you now? Are you truly 100% happy?
0: Well, here's the thing. When I was sitting there looking at those books in my room, and I'm looking at all these books about making money and getting rich, When I asked myself that question about taking all the energy and effort to get, instead of being rich, getting happy, as I mentioned, there was something in me that shifted. And I wish I could put it in words, but Mm. there's no way that I could describe it. But it was like touching the infinite. It was like making connection to that which is greater than myself. And I I have come to recognize that the voice that I heard that asked that question is the voice of my higher self. Mm and every human being has a higher self. We have a higher self, and what some people might call an ego self. Mm-hmm. And it is the ego self that keeps us trapped in all of our, our, our addictions and, and you know our, our judgments about people. And so when we learn to get to and connect to that higher self, when we connect authentically to who we are as, as spiritual beings, There is a joy and passion that comes from within us. Mm -hmm. And not only the joy and the passion, but it also gives us direct access to infinite creativity. It gives us access to divine love. And so ultimately, what we want to do is get to a place of self-love and self-acceptance. And when we get to that place, we are free. When we get to that place, we are whole. When we get to that place, we are happy. And so I could work at McDonald's for the rest of my life and still be happy.
1: Mm, I believe that.
0: Because my my joy doesn't come from something outside of myself. My joy comes from within. Now, when we truly do this work, then I believe what truly happens is we connect to our divine purpose. Mm. And so our divine purpose is to take our unique gifts and talents, and figure out a way to apply them to support the world and becoming a better place. Mm. And so, for example, right now, what you're doing, here, you're sharing your talents through your podcast, through encouraging people. So, my my belief is that you are following your divine purpose. Mm-hmm. And the amazing thing about how the universe works is that as you're pursuing this purpose, you're actually growing more into the divine human being that you were born to be.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: And so so you're attracting to you the people that's going to support you mm-hmm. on your journey. Mm-hmm. And as you continue to grow, I can assure you that you will want to support others in growing, and that's how we heal the world.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Michael, I love that message, and I think especially the end point there, I... Been in a situation where, having come from humble beginnings, my business has taken off in terms of giving me more money than I need to spend because I don't really live for materialistic things. I'm very, I'm a very simple person, and as soon as that happened, and the bank account started changing. Again, I never got any happier because I always know my purpose has always been about serving. It's always what I've always done. I've given up jobs to become a social worker in my previous life. I've always done a lot of support work and it's just lessons that have been instilled in me. And the podcast is, like you said earlier, it is my passion project. If I could do this every single living hour of the day, I would do it because the beautiful thing is, is one that it inspires and helps people and maybe gives that one person of hope, which is always the premise behind the show. But what you've just touched on there is that It's allowing me to grow and become better because I'm connecting with people like yourself and connecting with people who are doing incredible things in the world and it's all about supporting. I mean this is fascinating, this is one of the best interviews and we're only 20 minutes in and I'm actually loving it because I feel like I'm learning so much and that's been enlightening for me and hopefully the listeners who have come along on this journey as well and they've seen the guests and even myself growing as an interviewer, we're learning now that it is about finding our divine purpose in life and that's pretty much I suppose the mission of life to be happy and fulfilled so that's really interesting now Michael I want to ask then as your life's changed now you've been through quite a few transitions what's a typical day like for yourself because I'm always a firm believer that we are a result of the habits that we do and disciplines so somebody like yourself who I would consider successful somebody who has a lot of wisdom and knowledge to share I'm interested in seeing how your day plans out
0: well, first of all, I'm a huge proponent of meditation.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been, been
0: meditating for more than 25 years. And there's nothing more important, in my opinion, after doing your healing work, than being willing to be in the silence, mm. being willing to quiet the mind, to connect with that, that infinite intelligence that created this universe, that that higher source, whatever you choose to call that. And so my day my day begins, first of all, with silence and then i move into what i'll call a state of contemplation and there's a guy named mike dooley uh who puts out these things called notes from the universe have you ever heard of him
1: i've not heard of that note, but i have just taken it out now
0: yeah yeah his name is mike dooley d-o-o-l-e-y and and i get this email every morning and it's called notes from the universe and they're really thought-provoking, little provocative comments. And is, and the guy is really hilarious, too, as, as he puts them. But they're really deep, spiritual insights about a, an amazing array of topics. But every morning after my silence, I, I read his email, and I simply contemplate the depth and the meaning behind his emails because they're really deep, but they're really funny. And humorous, but it really puts me in a state of quiet contemplation, pondering the mysteries of the universe. So I I, I start there every morning, and then I, I, I if I don't have a speaking engagement, if I if I'm at home, I'm generally writing something. I love writing. I've actually written seven books. Wow. And so I usually take some time to to think about. Like I'm currently writing a, a new project. That um, I'm going to be issuing for next year, and so what I what I try to do is I try to get my ideas out of my head because every morning when I wake up, that's when my ideas really flow. There's just amazing creativity. So I'll usually sit down and I'll write, oh maybe an hour or two of something. Then I'll take a break. Again, I'm just kind of picturing if I'm just at home, Absolutely. not out speaking. So I'll you know I'll take a couple hours to write. And I'm a huge movie buff. <laughs> yes. I love movies. I don't watch television much, but I love movies because movies are just metaphors for life. And we can learn so much from movies and stories that can literally transform our lives. So I'm usually looking for something to inspire me, something to you know, challenge me, something to make me laugh, or maybe I'll watch a documentary on on nature. Uh, looking at the beauty of nature so i'll spend a little time doing that maybe an hour or two and then i come back to the computer and then i'm usually on social media posting some of my inspiring content or something like that or listening to a podcast
1: that's brilliant and do you work out or do you have a specific diet or anything
0: yeah i work out three days a week mm-hmm. so i work out matter of fact this morning i'll be working out so tuesdays thursdays and i alternate saturdays and sundays mm-hmm. and i'm a former trainer in the health club so physical fitness has always been really important to me and although i'm 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 pushing the big 60 i still feel like i'm in my 30s
1: wow you look closer to 30 than 60 so you're looking great
0: <laughs> so yeah but again and that's that's an important part of mm-hmm. you know this this whole process called life which is being healthy and um, i'm not shall I say, a health nut, mainly stretch of imagination, but I definitely pay attention to what I put in my body. Um, like most people, I'll, you know, I don't mind having a hamburger or stuff like that. I'm not a vegan or anything like that, but I am conscious of what I'm putting in my body, and I make sure that, you know, I, I, I try to stay away from a bunch of fried stuff, and, I, mm-hmm. and and sugar is really one of the things that really puts on pounds for me, so I stay yeah. away from sugar <laughs> yeah. as, as much as I can, and and. I I mean I really enjoy eating per se but to me eating is just fuel
1: Fuel, yeah.
0: so I look at it as fuel for the body so I make sure that I try to keep high octane fuels in my body Mm -hmm.
1: that's really interesting and what I've noticed from your daily routine is you touched on being healthy and paying attention to what you put in your body but more so you're actually paying attention to what you put into your mind so there's a lot of looking after the mind so I come from a personal training background and most personal trainers look at it from a physical standpoint i.e does he have abs or does do they have lean muscle for example whereas I'm always trying to look a little bit deeper into that and try and understand the psychology behind why people are the way they are or why people don't work out so I'm always a firm believer and I try and add the mental aspect the mindset aspect to it And if I may just segue then ever so slightly into using the topic of your book where adversity is our biggest ally. If you wouldn't mind, Michael, if you could just take us back to one experience where you really suffered with adversity, something that's quite clear in your mind. But what I really want to grasp from it is what was a lesson that you took from that particular moment? Because. We always feel that the stuff that happens to us is exclusive to ourselves, but I'm always trying to say to people, you're not alone. There are people out there who have suffered the same thing. So hopefully, somebody listening to this can take something away from that.
0: Well, one of the most traumatic things that I experienced as a child is I had a female cousin who was probably six years older than I was, I think. And it took me a long time to be able to say this, but. She literally raped me as a seven-year-old. And so, you know, in our culture, you know, we think of sex and we think that that's a good thing. And so we think like, oh, he's a kid, you know, he's having sex, whatever. But it's it's really a very traumatic experience that will warp your sense of sexuality. So for me, what happened was, as a grown-up, I became very good in bed because It was my way of making sure that women liked me. But what I did was I denied my own sexuality, my own sensuality. I was out of touch with my own emotions when it comes to making love versus just having sex. And so that experience of being raped at seven had a a negative impact on my life as an adult. And it wasn't until, again, I did that John Bradshaw work that I came to understand, first of all, that I was raped and there was a, there was a time in my life when I couldn't even say that there was so much shame involved. that I couldn't even tell anyone that, right? So that healing process, you know that you're healed when you can talk about the things that brought you pain. So being able to say this and to share this lets me know that I've healed through it. I'm no longer carrying that negative energy that was associated with it. And so it was just one of those things that even now I look back, and as painful and as difficult as it was, my belief, once again, is that everything brings us a gift and a lesson. And so what I've learned is that I am a sexual being, but I have to be willing to be in touch with my emotions as a sexual being, not just the physical thing, but emotionally and so what that allowed me to create this deep intimate connection with my current wife that's really amazing and something that i would always wanted to experience so again I learned through that process of being able to connect with my emotional self the importance of making love instead of just having sex.
1: Firstly I just want to say thank you so much for sharing that because obviously that's quite um, a taboo subject should i say but it's great to know that you are fully healed from that and again it's all about touching on our own emotions and understanding ourselves which is obviously the work that you've done for yourself i love how you just said everything brings us a gift and a lesson it's probably one of those things in that moment of adversity or moment of shame how you probably was feeling just to use one of your words where we struggle to find that silver lining or that light. So um, that's a great lesson. I have had people who have shared their stories of sexual abuse on this show, and it has actually touched a lot of people. I'm sure that story is going to help a lot of people, Michael. So I acknowledge you for sharing that, and thank you. I appreciate it. And
0: and, and Aaron, let me, let me me let me add this too, because <clears throat> I say this in retrospect, and after some 25 years or so of my own personal growth and development, and I think one of the challenges we have in our society is that we, we live in this, this quick fix, instant gratification, I want it right now kind of thing. And so this process is just that. It is a process of healing. And so there's no such thing as a quick fix. There's only transformation. And so what we have to do is commit to our personal transformation. And yes, it can be difficult. Yes, it can be painful. But just because something is painful and difficult doesn't mean that it's bad. So if we reframe it and recognize, well, for me, my my understanding comes from that there is something greater than myself that I'm connected to. And so you can call it whatever you choose to call it. But it is that connection which has allowed me to overcome a lot of the challenges in my life. Because when I can understand or if I will accept, okay, let's put it this way. If I will accept that there is a power greater than myself in the universe and I'll call that thing love, love is the essence of the universe. And so, therefore, when I experience pain, it isn't that love is doing it to me. It isn't that God is punishing me. It is that love is bringing something to me for me to experience more love. And so, as difficult as it might be, when I attract these experiences to me, because of my belief that love is the essence of everything, then everything that has happened to me in my life, I see it as love now. Mm. And I know how difficult that can be if you're right smack dab in the middle of some major adversities in your life. So, as you're listening to this you may say well wait you don't understand yes I do understand because I've been there so I know how challenging it is how difficult it can be but rest assured that love is always present
1: that's beautiful Michael I'm glad you actually added that last bit on because I... It's, again, it's taught me so much and it's probably, you hit the nail on the head at the end where somebody going through it right now is probably sitting there thinking, you don't know what I'm going through or you don't understand. But actually, you do understand, Michael, especially yourself. And you've got that story. And I can sit here and I can say all the words, but this is why I tried to get guests like yourself on here who have been through different adversities to myself because I can only speak my truth. And I think it's really important that we all commit to our own personal transformations. I think that, that's, that's beautifully put because... You also touched on something else I wanna just quickly add actually as well is that it might be painful, it might be slightly stressful, but it's not necessarily bad. And it is that process of healing and transformation that is really gonna make us all sound as wise as you, Michael, because I'm sitting here now thinking, wow, this guy's mind is, is incredible because I feel now if something hit you in terms of adversity or an obstacle, you would have the tools and you'd have the experience to kind of brush it off. And that's obviously come through process. It's not something we can quickly fix and this is obviously something that I always try and teach on a personal training example. you know you you can't get their ideal physique or the ideal health just because you've eaten a salad and you've done twenty crunches for a day <laughs> as an example, and that's kind of what they're teaching and that's it's that instant gratification thing it's a process it takes time to really understand your body, your mind, and everything so that's a beautiful message and Although I do believe and I, and I truly believe this Michael, that you are definitely a specialist in adversity, what I want to ask you is Right this second, what is your biggest fear? My
0: greatest fear is that I won't be able to impact the billions of people that I want to impact in a positive way. I want to make sure that, because see, I believe a billionaire is someone who positively impacts the lives of one billion people. Mm. So, my goal leave this earth is to impact the lives of a billion people. So... When I think about that, it's a big stretch goal for me, but it's something that I'm really committed to. And, 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 and honestly, I don't really see it as a fear. It is just something that I'm so committed to. I just want to make sure that it happens. And so I'm focusing my attention moment to moment, day by day, simply impacting the lives of people. And so right now, as I'm talking to you, I'm actually fulfilling that mission. So when we talk about fear, I'm, I'm really glad you brought this up mm. because when I first started this process, I remembered the therapist asking me what I was afraid of. Mm. And my immediate response was, I'm not afraid of anything. I don't I don't I don't, I'm, I don't I'm, what, what do you mean I'm, afraid? <laughs> I'm not afraid of anything. Yeah. And so that becomes that becomes a defense mechanism mm. that especially as men, we don't want to admit when we feel fear. But as I dove deeper into this process, I realized that I was terrified of life. I was terrified of people seeing the real me. You know, I was terrified that the people I love would leave me. I had all these deep rooted fears that I was completely oblivious to. So for the for the listeners, when you hear that question, what are you really afraid of? Be willing to go a little deeper with that question. Be willing to ask yourself deeply what are you afraid because it isn't until you name it that you can claim it and when you can claim it you can change it so it's important that we 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 face head-on the fears that could be controlling our lives unconsciously
1: i love that name it so we can claim it and i'm excited by your should we call it a fear in terms of impacting billions of people because it is definitely a huge goal, but it 's definitely something that I feel that we 're in a society now, obviously, we have social media if you use it the right way and through influence and your podcasting and stuff that I would love for you to be able to hit that goal again I like you said, just in this conversation you 're fulfilling your purpose because you 're sitting here teaching me so much and then I'm going to send this out to all my listeners to teach them so much and I'm sitting here so excited because I can't wait for my wife to get back from work I'm going to tell my brother about this episode and I always do that when I get excited when I speak to somebody who I feel has definitely leveled me up just in such a short amount of time and I've learned so much from you Michael just to this stage and it's about now helping you so if like I always say to all of my guests I've kept in touch with every single one of them I always feel a deep connection. Again, this is a passion project. It's not a number ticking exercise for me in terms of how many podcasts can I do. I always want somebody who I truly feel fits the bill of find your voice and you're somebody who with your wisdom and your knowledge it, it's fantastic so if i can ever help in terms of even thousand a hundred people or whatever i can do it's definitely something that i'm going to try and help you with as much as possible michael so please do reach out even after the show and i'm going to try and support you on that journey because i feel the more people that can hear this story the more people that can hear your story and your work they'll definitely be in a much better place so thank you for sharing that i appreciate it
0: sure and aaron here, here's something to consider mm-hmm. And and again this this is going to get spiritual. Okay. But everything is connected. Mm. Okay? There's no them or they. There's only us. And actually there's only one of us, which I believe is the divine creator of the universe and we're simply expressions of that creator. And so when you connect to people like myself and actually, actually like I said at the beginning, you attracted me to your podcast. Because of your commitment and your intention to not only help others, but to grow yourself. So I hope you can see the divine synchronicity in this conversation, because ultimately we have the same goal. And that goal is to heal the planet. The goal is to make the world better. And so we do that through our own individual purposes. But as mentioned, we're we're, we're putting little ripples into the, the universe by sharing what you're doing. So I just want to acknowledge you for what you're putting out into the universe, because you're attracting people to you that's going to support you in fulfilling your mission, because I get where your heart is. I, I feel you. I, I see you, that you're, you are simply a commitment to humanity. And so I'm honored. I'm honored to be on this podcast with you, and I'm really blessed and know that there are no accidents, and we together for a divine purpose so i just want to share
1: thank you so much michael i wholeheartedly received that and again it is literally my my whole meaning and purpose on life is to just try and heal and make the world a better place and a little bit like your story when you spoke about adversity and how it took you ages to kind of say it i always had this imposter syndrome i I wrote on my Facebook state, it's a bit of a tangent story, I do apologize, but about six years ago I wrote something saying I want to change the world. And it was only when a few things really started happening in my life, i.e., adversity struck and it changed my whole perception. And then I took it off. I took it off a few weeks later because I got the odd um, comment from somebody. And recently I've actually been advocating that quite a lot more vocally. And I am now confident again i'll say on stage i truly want to change the world and i'm not talking on a stage of like like a michael jackson type of thing i don't care for fame or anything i truly want to just change and see people happy i want to see people out there truly finding their voice and just living this very short life we have but the spirituality thing that you touched on is something i'm getting more into i've always been fascinated by spirituality i don't necessarily follow religion but I definitely believe there is something out there, something more divine, and it's weird that you said that, how we're all interlinked, because I literally read something on, um, I think it was on Twitter, don't quote me on this, it was by Vishen Lakhani, who's a great thought leader, and somebody I follow quite closely, and he said something about that, how we're all linked, and I just thought it's beautiful, and again, it's touching on what you said, it's about attracting the right things. If we can change our reticular activation system in terms of looking for the stuff that we want to enhance our lives, then I believe it truly will come so. I'm truly grateful to have you on this show, Michael. So thank you as well, and thank you for those kind words.
0: And and also, and I love Vision, by the way. I love Mind Valley and all the stuff they do. Yeah, but uh, I want to touch on your point about the imposter syndrome that you mentioned because it's something that I really struggle with. When I first started writing, I had this idea that, you know, who am I to write a book? You know, I really struggled with this whole idea of being a expert because I really don't like the word expert because to me. An expert imply that you know all there is to know about something, and I don't think that's possible. But anyway, I heard a definition of expert from a guy named Brendan Burchard. And he said, an expert is simply someone who does three R's. They research, they report, and they create results. So if you research, if you report, and you create results, by definition, you are an expert. And when I read that, I thought, well, Okay, I I get that. Yeah, I'm an expert because (laughs) I love I love researching. And when I research something, I report it by writing books and then my books create results in people's lives. So therefore, I am an expert. So it really helped me shift my mindset, which most of it at the beginning was this fear that, you know, I wasn't good enough because I didn't have credentials. But when I shifted past that and I got to the point where I came to understand it, I have a voice. Absolutely. I have something to say. It is my responsibility to share. I need to share what I know. I need to share what I learn because it's going to help people. So I had to get out of my own way and allow myself to express my brilliance.
1: I love that. Brendan Rashad, again, somebody else who I follow. But that in itself, as you were saying, that I was getting goosebumps because it resonated with me in terms of I was thinking, hold on, look i've done this in my life in previous situations where even then i still never felt like i wasn't good enough so that's definitely an excellent takeaway not just for myself but hopefully for the listeners as well so that's brilliant that's definitely going to shift my mindset so you're going to see a lot of me researching reporting and hopefully creating amazing results like yourself michael in the work that you're doing i will segue now into what i call the fun part of the show And in this part, all I'm going to do is put you on the spot for 60 to 90 seconds and ask you the most random questions. Go for it. We're going to start in three, two, one. Okay, Michael, if you could abolish one thing in the world, what would it be? Close mindedness. What is your favorite movie?
0: Star Wars, the original.
1: Your favorite hobby?
0: Listening to music.
1: Blogging or podcasting?
0: Both. (laughs) Podcasting.
1: Okay. What are you secretly good at that nobody knows?
0: I can fix just about anything. I'm very mechanical.
1: Your biggest role model?
0: Martin Luther King.
1: Michael, what would you like to be remembered for?
0: For positively impacting the lives of a billion people.
1: Love it. If you could relive one day again, what day would it be?
0: The day my mom took me to live with my dad. That, that would be a moment I would relive. I'd love to reframe it, actually.
1: If you had an extra hour a day, Michael, how would you spend it? In silence. Would you rather know how you would die or when you would die? When? And finally, if you could sit with one person in the world for an hour, who would it be? Albert Einstein. Love it, love it. So I am a massive believer that hindsight is a wonderful thing because obviously when we reflect, we can always think of ways to get to where we are quicker, easier or with less heartache. But I'm also a firm believer that everything happens for a reason and the journey teaches us so, so much. So knowing exactly what you know now with all your wisdom, all your experience and all your knowledge... If you could go back maybe to that seven-year-old self or maybe to a younger Michael and whisper something in that person's ear, what would you say?
0: I would say know that you are loved. Know that what you're going to go through is preparing you for something amazing. So hang in there and know that your divine purpose will unfold in accordance to the
1: divine plan. That's a beautiful message. And that does actually bring us sadly to the last question of the day and this one is about legacy. So Michael, let's say in 150 years time all that exists is this one book and this book is about your life and everything that you've achieved and all the great, weird and wonderful things that have gone on in your life. Firstly, what would the title of the book be? And secondly, what would the back tell us or tell the reader looking to pick it up?
0: The title of the book would be called When God Comes Knocking. And on the back... It will explain how everything is in divine order, that God is love, and everything that happens is a part of that divine plan.
1: And what about in terms of you as a person? So if the person wanted to know who was in this book and you wanted to entice him to read it, what would it say about you? Just a couple of words.
0: It will say, Michael was a person who learned how to listen. He trusted his heart followed his wisdom and created an amazing life experience.
1: I love that. I love that. That's a beautiful message. It's definitely something that I would be looking to pick up as I'm sure my listeners will. Now, is there anything you wish that I would have asked you today that will maybe be a message that you want to give to anyone listening to this show? Uh,
0: actually, I think we pretty much covered it all. So, I would
1: say no. Fantastic. That's my job well done then. Um, and Michael, what is the best place that the listeners can connect with you? You can go to
0: coachmichael taylor.com and based on this conversation i would send everybody to adversity is your and that way they can pick up the audio book the ebook, or the physical book if they're interested
1: fantastic that will all be in the show notes for all of the listeners it will definitely be something that i will be adding to my audible list today i want to thank everyone at home for listening to this show i want to thank michael for his time it's been an absolute pleasure thanks for listening And remember, this podcast is absolutely free. So all we
0: ask in return is for you to share this with a friend and drop us a five-star review over on iTunes. Have an awesome day.